You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter, and I'm really excited because I have a fun announcement. So you all know that I went to the Love Beauty Wellness Festival last year, and that's where I met June Farahan and Shauna Felici, who have both been on the show, um, and they were on my last ladies panel. Well, June has invited me to come back to this year's Love Beauty Wellness Festival, and I'm going to be hosting the Thrive panel at the festival um, about living your best life. So eating well, you know, living well. I have a great panel of ladies, Lee Tillman, who you may know as Lee from America. She's all over Instagram, and she has like amazing photos that I drool over every time I see them. Um, Tara Mackey, who's also been on the show. She's the number one best-selling author of of Cured by Nature, and Ashley Berry, who has also been on Hashtag No Filter before. Um, All three ladies I will be chatting with, and then there are a lot of other really great speakers. Um, So you're going to want to come to this event, the Love Beauty Wellness Festival, July 1st. It's going to be at Honey Pot in downtown LA. Tickets are on sale right now at lovebeautywellnessfestival.com. Um, and don't forget to use code Zach, Z-A-C-K, and you'll get 10% off your ticket order. And just to give you a heads up, tickets, early bird tickets end May 31st. So you're going to want to go and get those right away. Lovebeautywellnessfestival.com, July 1st. Use code Zach. Get to it right now. And now I need to get to our guest, who's also been on the show before, um, I just feel like there's a lot of love going around. Lots of lots of guests that I know and love, and I'm so excited to have this lovely boss lady on today. She was also on the last ladies panel. She's a journalist. She's an author. She's a TV script writer. She's an entrepreneur based here in LA. She's uh, she's authored several books, including Welcome to the Real World. You've got an education now. Get a life. Keep your frenemies close and girl boss running the show like the big chicks. And now I have her in studio today talking about her new book. It's called She's So Boss, The Girl Entrepreneur's Guide to Imagining, Creating, and Kicking Ass. Please welcome today's guest, Stacy Kravitz. Hello, Zach. So I was going through this book, Stacy, and it's really great. And we were chatting about this a little bit um, before we started taping, how it really is a good guide for, like, girls in their 20s or just in college or just, you know, getting ready to start their business. But it really resonates with, you know, girls at any age, whether you're, you know, a teenager or older, you know, whether you are just at the start of launching your business or you're already in it, I think there's a lot of really good practical advice across the board. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad it has that in it. Um, It is supposed to be a guide for um, millennials, for college, current college students, for even teenage girls who have an idea and who just need that, that bit of advice on how to get, how to get that thing from, you know, inside their brain where it's kind of, pooling around and making them stay up at night and not be able to you know, focus on their homework to becoming that thing that they can really work on. So it has all those steps. It has the how to figure out what it is that you want to do, how to take the first steps to creating a little bit of a plan for it, how to get startup capital for it and financing and how to market it. And we all know how to use social media. So yeah, that's uh, it's an important part of it as well. But it's also, you know, the, the pitfalls of that too. You can't just... You yeah, there's no glamorous things. road to success at no, all. No, yes, exactly. Okay, so 
talk to me about what boss means to you. What is a boss? Because you have a very definitive definition for what you believe to be a boss. Exactly. I think a boss is the you know, the sort of basic definition is somebody who is in charge or who is running their own business or who is in charge of other people. But really, to me, boss is an attitude. It's just about taking charge of the thing that you want to do and getting up in the morning and feeling like I'm that's it. I'm doing it. I'm the boss. I'm I'm going to have that attitude and I'm just going to I'm just going to move forward. I love it. So can anybody be a boss? Yes, absolutely. So any age, guys you can be too, a boss. I can a- be a boss. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I love it. Um, so you also talk about how part of being a boss is not necessarily just being accountable for yourself, but it's also being an example and a leader for other people as well, um, which I think a lot of people really don't understand. I think the entrepreneurial mindset is more of like, I'm my boss, I'm the only one in control of me, and it's all about me and hustling and grinding for myself. Um, So talk to me about how other people and how a team kind of comes into building that success and how it's really not all just on your shoulders. Right. Well, it's a a few things. First of all, it's we all need each other. Right. And it should never be that you are succeeding by stepping on the shoulders of somebody else and, and putting them down. And so so the first piece of it is just that I feel like all women are in it together and we can all benefit from each other's success. So that's the sort of first piece of kind of the communal aspect. But then there's also just the fact that we don't know everything. And so when you're first starting to be able to find a mentor, a friend, a sounding board, somebody who can, you know, just help you talk you off, talk you off the ledge. If you're feeling like you want to quit doing it when you, when you're disappointed or when something's not going the way you want it to, um, I think that it's important to have those people in your in your world as well. Mm-hmm. And then you need to have, you know, as you grow, you need to have the people who you can count on to, to help realize the thing that you're trying to do. I mean, you aren't in it alone. It's not right. most businesses, even, you know, if it seems solitary, like I'm an artist, I'm a photographer, I'm, I'm working by myself. Those still require sometimes other people that you may hire or other people that you may work with. And so you're never just doing it by yourself. And we need those networks. Absolutely. And I love that in the book you have, you interview other girl bosses and you have quotes from leading ladies. And there's really kind of just a collection of different types of girl boss of, you know, women that are are running their own businesses or managing their own brand, who are some of the ladies that you look up to or that really helped you achieve your entrepreneurial goals? Well, I mean, part of the reason that all those women are in there is that, you know, we forget when we're in our own little struggle that everybody has gone through the same thing, that we've all had failures, we've all had setbacks. And so to be able to hear that from other people, you know, oh, when I was first trying to crowdfund, it was really hard. It just makes you feel better when you're doing something that also feels hard, that it's it's just part of the process. And we're all in that process and we all go through the same thing. So when I look around, I sometimes look for sort of those stories of humility, Um, you know, women, and it's usually for me, it's writers who, who talk about how they sold a network show, but before that they got fired off of a network show. I mean, it, not to say that their failure makes me feel good, but it's more just that I've had failure. Yeah. We've all had failure. We're all going to have failure, but it's how you bounce back from it. And so to be able to just have, be surrounded by kind of a feeling of people who ha- kind of have your back and have had that same experience just makes you feel like it's just part of it. You're just in it. It's just part of it. It's okay. 
Yeah, I think for me, I enjoy sharing my pitfalls and like, you know, the times where things kind of have blown up in my face more than my successes only because it's like, I have such an excitement over, okay, this is what I did. This is how, you know, I screwed up and this is what you can do to avoid that situation as well. And I feel like there's just, at least for me, when I share those experiences, it's out of a place of like, I want to help you because I get it. And we're in this together and we're both, you're going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. And, you know, but we can, you know, lean off of each other. Right. And it's also sort of out of a place of humility. Like it's a lot easier to talk about. Oh, Oh, can I tell you about this time? I really screwed up. I mean, it's a much funnier story than if you say, well, let me tell you about how successful I am. Nobody really wants to hear that. Let me pull up my resume for you. It's not that, it's not that great, but you know, it doesn't mean you need to save all your rejection letters and plaster them on the walls, but yes, like that sense of humility, it keeps us all real. And it's fun to swap war stories. Yeah. And we all have them. (laughs) So Stacey, I want to throw my iceberg, my icebreaker questions at you. So every guest that comes on, I have a few questions just to kind of humanize you and get you to, to relate to my guest, to my audience. Um, And the first one is what's one word your mother would use to describe you? Oh, that's funny because it probably wouldn't be what I would describe my how I describe myself. Um, she would say uh, maybe perseveres. Okay, maybe which okay. Is, I might use that, but okay, that's a good one. All right, okay. Uh, give me a fun fact. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Oh, um, I used to play roller hockey, not competitively, but I used to actually put on skates and pads and play. Okay, nice. <laughs> I just think nobody does that, so who would expect that? Right. Um, what is your drink of choice? Oh, okay. That is easy. I like tequila and soda with a little <laughs> bit of lime. Yes. I love I only do vodka soda or tequila soda. It's funny because people don't like the soda part. They think that's, you know, that it's not pure, the, you know, purists yeah, have yeah. to. But for me, I like a little carbonation, so. Yeah, I do works. too. Um, okay. Tell me the most embarrassing moment that you learned the most from. Oh, wow. There are a lot of those. Um, <laughs> Give me a war story. Well, um, I was, so this is, is going to date me because this is like pre-cell phones. But this is when I, um, I was at a, I went to an all-girls school, which, you know, in some ways that was, that was sort of the, the genesis of my, my bossness and my desire to have all these women do these things because I feel like that's how we were raised. We were taught to do anything that we set our minds to. So I went to this all-girls school, and we had a prom, a winter prom, and I had to invite a boy. And the only way to do that was to pick up the actual phone and make an actual phone call and <laughs> probably talk to his mother first and then call him, you know, talk to him. Uh-huh. And so I didn't do that very often, but I, so I wanted to be cool. So I turned on music. I turned on Duran Duran and had it playing and I, you oh know, I wanted God. to make sure he could hear it because I wanted him to know that I was cool, that I listened to music. To Duran so Duran? I turned it really, really oh loud because, you know, he had to hear it and if he could barely hear me. It was so loud in the room and it was such an awkward, awful phone call. And he did actually go with me to the prom. God knows why. But I did learn that <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be cool all the time, that sometimes it's better to just be yourself. Yeah. And I think like, especially... Like a big thing is with dating, how so many people go into like the first couple of dates and they have their guard up and they have this idea of who they they think they're supposed to be. And I think a lot of this really applies within business as well. And with social media is we, we put on this facade of who 
you know, we think we're supposed to be and we forget that transparency and that authenticity, which really relates with people so much better. Right. And yeah, just to be a real human being, which totally eventually you learn. And it's a little harder to learn that when you're at an all girls school because you just don't have that daily (laughs) interaction. So it just wasn't quite there for me at the time. But I got there. I love it. Okay. And last question. Um, If you had to be reincarnated, as a Kardashian, Ooh. which one would it be? Oh, because I thought it was going to be an animal and I was all ready to be a dolphin. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. I think I would probably choose, is it is it Chloe, the one who's kind of the most camera shy? I think I would be her. I would want to not, I would not want to be in the limelight. So okay, it would probably, I think you're thinking of Courtney. Courtney? Is she the least? She, yeah, she's okay. not into being really yeah. on the show. She kind of right. just does it for the page. She's the one that's not as out there okay. as the other so then two. that would be. Okay, I like Courtney. She's my choice, too. Do you think that the Kardashians are smart businesswomen? Do you see them as entrepreneurs? I do. I think they're smart. I think that they they know what they have. They know what their product is. And that's, it's crucial. You have yeah. to know what you're selling. You have to know what your brand is. And you have to create that. They've created a brand. They've created, I mean, a whole market for something that didn't exist. They've created. totally. I mean, they've branded themselves. And so that's a huge, huge part of anybody who's going to go into business. I mean, they've made themselves the business, but there's right. no question that they are not smart. And that, I mean, they are, they're, they're savvy. They are very conscientious about what image they put out there and what they put on social media. They're very calculated. I don't think anything just gets out there by accident. I think yeah. they, you know, they know what they're doing. Okay. I th- I don't think people give them enough credit for that. They're more of just like, they're famous for being famous or they don't really do anything. But it's like when you really kind of analyze this, and I can't believe I'm actually defending the Kardashians right now. But I when you know. actually look at it, it's like everything, you're right. Everything that they do is very well thought out, even when it comes to certain press hits and the way that they cover it on their show. And like, they own the narrative of their lives and they're selling multiple products and building a business that girls are spending tons of money on. Yeah, there's no, that's not accidental. No, not at all. Okay, now I have some questions for you from some listeners. They've okay. sent them in. I said, send me your questions about being a boss lady, about building a business. Um, and real quickly, I have a personal question for you. All right. So I want to know what you think, because we talked about the Kardashians, and one thing that's that's really buzzy and trendy right now is this feud that's going on between Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you talk about in the book is about not tearing other women down. And so I want to know what your perspective is when you see two big, affluent, influential women um, that have a really big fan base, especially with the millennial audience, that have spent the past couple of years kind of ripping at each other and tearing each other down in their music or, you know, in their interviews. Like, how does that make you feel? Do you feel like that? Right. Sets a bad tone for other girls. Well, I do think the girls they're they're smart. They see it, and they I don't think they react positively to it. They yeah. I mean they see somebody, but they also see them as human. So I think it's in some ways it's authentic and it's it's what's going on with them, and so they're not able to hide it. I don't think they're doing it as a stunt. I think they actually do have this feud going on, and so in some ways, you know, it's sh- it just it shows their fans kind of really what they're about, and they can take that as a positive thing or they can decide that they're they're done because that's just not what you do. I personally believe that 
that, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. We do need each other and we shouldn't tear each other down. Yeah. But there are personal things that get in the way of every relationship, of business relationships, of relationships with people in the same field. And so I don't really know what's behind their particular feud, every detail, but it has to have come from somewhere. And so, you know, it's obviously big enough that they can't just stifle it. So right. it's, you know, it's genuine. Do you feel like at some point when there is a feud or there is a disagreement, even if you don't feel like you're wrong, you just kind of have to suck it up and be like, look, we need to squash this. Yes, I do. And I feel like I do a lot of that. I mean, we all do a a lot of that. And I think that's partly just something that you learn as you mature and you're in business that you can't be that one who you know, tries to rat out your boss to somebody else because it comes back and you end up working with the same people over and over and you end up in that same world. And it's just, you just don't go about things that way. There are, you you need to kind of do it the way it's, it's meant to be done. Yeah. Um, but I, I get that that sort of, you know, initially feels like, Oh, well, I think I, she's making a bad decision. I think I could do better. I'm going to find a way to make it clear that I don't like what she's doing. I mean, it, it happens all the time. It's just, it rarely gets you where you want to go. It usually ends up biting you. So what about, like, if there's a challenging point where, let's say you and your best friend are, you know, both trying to make it. Okay, let's let's give a Hollywood example. You're both trying to become actresses, and your best friend lands a role that you really wanted. Like, how do you do that? Because there is that competition, especially with a lot of young entrepreneurs, where you kind of start up together, right. and there are advances in, you know, somebody else's career and there is a little bit of envy i think it's it's you know ignorant or you know we don't if we dismiss it completely then we're not being honest at the fact that you know there is a little bit as as happy as you can be for somebody else there are moments where you're like ah but i wish that were me right well for sure and you shouldn't stifle the feeling but it's a it's a question of figuring out what to do with that feeling so you know call your mom and tell (laughs) tell her how annoyed you are and how this person didn't deserve it and it should have been i mean vent get it out and feel it and own it but don't tell the person who knows that other person who's going to then, you know, don't like be smart about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure you, you're going to feel the way you feel and it's natural to feel jealous. I mean, if somebody gets the job that you wanted, especially if you feel that you were more deserving, of course you're going to have feelings, but are you going to tear down your friendship over it? No, because yeah. the next time you're going to get the job and you're going to want your friend to be there for you. So, yeah. And you, I think you grow so much more when you lean on each other versus just trying to do it on your own or trying to right. bring anybody else down. Because if you're spending so much energy trying to tear somebody else down, like that's energy wasted that you could be using to build yourself up. Right. And also, I feel like, you know, when I say the rising tide, I, you know, you never know when that person who your friend who has who just landed a great job someplace else might need to refer you might want to yeah, refer absolutely. you as, oh, hey, they're looking for another another actor for this role. I have this great friend. Can she come in? It's it's silly to to be so short sighted and to just focus on the one thing because life is long and you have there will be lots of opportunities. So it's it's worth it to just keep your friendship you know keep your friendship strong. Totally. Okay, let's get to some of these questions. The first one is: What do I do when I'm in a slump and unsure of which move to make next? Okay. Well, so the beauty, I think, of the the age we live in now with crowdsourcing is there's always an ability to ask people and to get advice and to just put it out there and say, hey, what do you guys think of this book cover? What do you think of this, you know, what do you think of this idea or this name or this title for 
my business? Do you like it? Do you hate it? What do you want to do? The other thing is we all go through slumps. And so yeah. what you need to do is develop a kind of a mechanism that you know works for you. So like for me as an example, when I'm writing, if I'm if I get a little bit of writer's block, I have to actually physically move. I have to get up and either take a walk around the block, take go for a run, do something where I'm physically moving, and then my brain kind of just opens up and I start it all. I it makes sense of it all, and I get it all right, and then I can come back and get back to work. And so I've had to figure out, okay, well, do I take? I can't walk for an hour because right. then I'm going to forget half of what I thought of. So yeah. you know, do I walk two blocks and then come back, or do I? How do I do it? But figure out that thing that works for you that opens the floodgates. A lot of times, it's exercise. <laughs> yeah, some good cardio and yeah. like a nice sweat just really helps. It does. Um, what are your best strategies for time management? Uh, well, if you have a deadline, that helps. And so if you if you yeah. have an external deadline, you can work back from that and figure out how much you need to get done per day, per hour, and actually work it into a schedule. If you don't have an external deadline, I think you need to make a deadline. Yeah. But if as long as you have something that you're working toward, you'll be motivated because you actually have to get it done. And whether it's write five pages today or whether it's, you know, finish this audition tape by the end of the week or and then give yourself a reward. You know, if you get it done by Thursday, uh-huh. take an hour on Friday and go, you know, walk down a street you wanted to walk down that has some new stores or whatever it is that seems like, like you that. know, but I think sometimes I think that if you've got something out there, it helps you. Helps you get the work done. I like that. I definitely work a lot better under pressure. Mm-hmm. And when there's a deadline, then yep. I can really hustle it. Whereas, you right. know, if I have a little more time, I'm a little bit more of a procrastinator. Yeah, I think everybody is. I mean, <laughs> coffee helps solve, you know, whatever yeah. you have to do. Coffee like, solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Just coffee up and go. I love it. Okay. Uh, what's the best advice someone ever gave you when you first started out and who was it from? Um. Okay, so this advice, it, it, doesn't, it didn't really come in the form of advice, but I took it as advice, and it's sort of a long story. you mind if it's a long story? Yeah, go for it. Um, so when I, w- I was in graduate school, I studied journalism, and there was a, a student, a former student of the professor whose class I was taking, and okay. this, this was like a news writing, but it was kind of more of a feature writing class. And so the idea in the class was just to kind of come up with these ideas for features and then pitch them out to newspapers and magazines, and it, it could be like a editorial piece. It was supposed to be these things that you could just pitch out and hopefully get published. And I was terrified of doing that because I thought, like, who wants to throw stuff out there and have it rejected? Right. I mean, that just went counter to everything I always believed. You know, I wanted I wanted to know that it was yeah, going to happen. Sure. So this former student had come and she had just finished writing a book and it was based on an article that she had published in The New Yorker. And she said that she had sent them 25 prior story ideas before this one. And this was the one that they published, the 26th. And I remember just feeling at the, like this at huge, you know, light, lightning bolt struck because there was no way I would have gotten to 25, sent out 25 different stories and had them rejected and then gotten to the 26th. I was afraid to even send out one. And it, it occurred to me at the time that you have to. I mean, you have to start sending them out. If you're going to yeah. get this 26th one accepted, you have to send out those first 25. And so it was kind of this you know, inadvertent advice that she gave me, but it, it has stuck with me that like, you have to send stuff out. You have to venture, you have to go out on a, on a, you have to go to a meeting. You have to put yourself out there. You have to try, you have to come up with the first design because if you don't come up with the first design, you're not going to be able to say, well, it took me 10 tries to get there, but now I'm there. Yeah. So that's a kind of like a guiding piece of advice for me. I like that. And I, I feel like that's such a, a missed piece that so many people don't realize. 
And I think I find that a lot here in LA, especially a lot of people want to work in entertainment and they, they think that they're just going to come and, right. you know, boom, Hollywood is just going to be what it looks like on TV and you're going to be successful overnight and somebody's going to find you in a mall food court and they'll right. be like, you're the next model. And in some cases that really does happen, but a lot of it there, it takes a lot of work and a lot of, you know, rise and grind and, and hustle. And, and you really have to put yourself out there and send your workout 25 times before right. you get that 26th opportunity. Yeah. And it's just back to the, the idea that we all have those, you know, and I hate to call them failures because it's not really failure. It's really just part of the process. It's just yeah. those things that didn't work or those and it's not early, personal. No, it's nothing against efforts, you. Right. It's just... It's just how it works. And so you just have to keep throwing stuff at the dartboard until something sticks. sticks. Absolutely. Um, Can a person be a brand or do you think a brand has to be its own identity? Um, And how do you establish a personal brand? Well, we were just talking about the Kardashians. They obviously are a brand. Um, It depends what you want to do. I mean, if if you are the brand, then you have to have something that you're producing. So it could be... Like you have a brand, you have a podcast, it's you, it's you speaking, it's your face associated with it, it's your voice associated with it, so that becomes the brand. But if that's the case, then it's some, that it's something that you're putting out there that actually is a piece of you. Right. And you have to be okay with people not liking you, that piece yeah. of you, which, you know, sometimes happens and isn't always easy. But if you're not, if it, if your idea isn't you that you're, that you're marketing, that you're creating, then the brand is... It can be a little bit more separate from you. It can be about colors and ideas and, and things, uh, you know, images that you associate with whatever you want this thing to be. So in other words, you can come up with a name that's not your name, but it's a name that you've always thought was an interesting kind of words that you'd like together, you know, mustard flower or something that where you've just always felt like, oh, I love the color yellow. And you just build that into what into the identity of whatever it is that you're creating and then that becomes kind of your brand because it's all, when somebody sees it, it's synonymous with, with what you're doing. I like that. Okay, here's another question. I've been hustling for a few years now and I've hit a roadblock. I haven't seen much growth within my company. Any thoughts as to what I could be missing? Um, well, not knowing what the company is or what exactly the roadblock is um, being caused by, I don't. I can't specifically speak to it, but um, there are ways to get past roadblocks by, like I was saying, you can you can kind of crowdsource information on what you're doing. You can look at who else is doing things in your space, mm-hmm. think people who, who seem to be having more success and try to figure out what, what they're, they're doing, doing differently. Right. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, you should, but you should ask. You should always ask people. You should, there's, there's so much information right now out there. We live in an age of almost infinite information. So there's always... Um, you know, a network of people, there is an internet search, there's a book, there's, I mean, there are so many ways to kind of retool something that doesn't seem like it's working. And, um, you know, I'm being vague, because I don't know exactly what's not working with this particular um, instance. But uh, there, are, there are lots of ways around, um, you know, the problem by just kind of sourcing more information and trying to just go at it a different way. Okay. I like that. Any tips for landing big PR hits? Ooh, well, that's hard because so much of what kind of goes viral goes viral and sometimes then disappears almost equally quickly. Yeah. And so to spend a ton of time trying to come up, trying to like reverse engineer by looking at other, you know, fabulous little items that were that showed up on everybody's 
uh, Instagram yeah. for two seconds and then they were gone again. I mean, it, it sometimes, you know, time wasted, but it's, it just, I think it's more just a question of always having something to say okay. and it can be, and so sometimes it's going to be relevant and sometimes it's going to be really relevant and sometimes it's going to miss and it's going to disappear the next day, but it all disappears the next day. So, yeah. you know, keep taking chances and don't hang everything on one idea for, for marketing. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the lessons that I learned, especially with PR is that like 10% of the time it's because you sent the right letter to the right person at the right time. Right. And the other 90% is hustle and networking, you know, and a lot of PR comes out of the relationships that you build and that trust that you build with somebody else that has that opportunity that can help you reach that platform or whatever that is. Right. Well, and also having been a reporter, I mean, I have my perspective on PR changed a little bit because I can't tell you how many times I got a press release and the only thing in it that was news was just that the thing existed. Yeah. Like, okay, there's a book. There's a new book. Oh, there's a new makeup. And I was like, okay, what's the story? Right. And if someone could actually articulate, well, this is why it's different. And this is what makes it news. That takes half of my job, you know, away. It makes it a lot easier for me. Rather than saying, here's this thing. You go figure out what makes it news. Yeah. What you can say about it. It's just, you're putting a lot you know, on Especially that reporter to try to figure get it out. So many different ones right. that, you so know, if you can say, you know, I came up with this, you know, macrobiotic face gel and it's, you know, I don't know, it's made from like recycled bags or something where it's, you know, or it's something where it's like it, <laughs> right. it, it different. Yeah. It, it makes it, unique. and it, it can like tie into some environmental effort. That's actually newsworthy. Then they can wrap it up in a nice little newsy item package. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, ladies are known to be multitaskers. How do you feel about multitasking and how do you have the energy to continue to multitask? Um, I'm a good multitasker. <laughs> I do think that women multitask. Well, I just, I drink coffee for sure and <laughs> I'm tired all the time and I do a lot of things while I'm driving. Like I, I mean, I do talk on the phone. I, I mean, I do it with a headset, but I do, <laughs> you know, I do to things while I'm driving. I do things. I don't waste a lot of time. So I don't have a lot of time where I'm sitting in a parking lot waiting for someone and not doing something while I'm sitting there. Like I could be sending six emails and getting a lot done. So I just, I think I just make good use of, of the downtime that I have. Yeah. And then I basically don't have a lot of downtime. I like that. And last one, um, how does a boss lady talk herself out of giving up? Well, you can't give up. I mean, it's it's sort of the my my big lesson from the um, the woman who wrote the book, which is just that if you if you give up, then you're never going to be able to say, well, it took me ten years, but I finally got to do that thing I really love. I love that. What's what would you say is your one big takeaway that anybody who picks up a copy of Shoe So Boss? Um, you want them to really take with them? Uh, that we, we're all in there doing some version of something that we want to be doing, and that if we all do it, the world will be a better place for it. I love that. Stacy's new book, She's So Boss, The Girl Entrepreneur's Guide to Imagining, Creating, and Kicking Ass is on sale May 30th. You can go and order it right now. There'll be a link to the Amazon, uh, to purchase on Amazon in the description below. So be sure to grab a copy of She's So Boss by Stacy Kravitz. Is there a website or any social media you want people to follow you at? Um, there's a, there's she's so boss.com and okay. then there's stacykravitz.com. 
Shisaboss.com and StacyKravitz.com. Kravitz is K-R-A-V-E-T-Z. And it'll be in the description below. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, um, and always at the networkstudios.com. And also on the network studios to find out everywhere else we are distributed and you can sign up at. So go and do that. Don't forget to buy Stacy's new book, She's So Boss. Follow me at Just Plain Zach across all social media platforms. And don't forget to get your tickets to the Love Beauty Wellness Festival at lovebeautywellnessfestival.com. Remember, early bird ends May 31st. Use code Zach to get 10% off, and I will see you there. But for now, I gotta go. So bye. <laughs>